Welcome to Season 4, Episode 1 of the Principals Podcast. This is Tom Gabriel, Principal of KHS, joined by our two outstanding senior hosts. Mikey Sertel. And Lily Tatera. Right. I'd also like to welcome our special someone for this episode, Mr. Brian Turk. How you doing? To our listeners, thank you for tuning in and sharing in this fourth year tradition and production of the podcast. We hope to retain previous listeners. And of course, our main goal is to gain more listeners to tune in and to hear our KHS voices. The Principals Podcast is a way for us, and specifically you as the principal, to connect with our constant stakeholders, especially students and parents who want to get a snippet of what's going on in the school. Absolutely. This this um, activity, this this event, the podcast, it's a good opportunity for me to kind of model some of our creative instruction that I like to call um, while, while highlighting our innovation that uh, we've been focusing on. Um, primarily an initiative that uh, has supported our curriculum, especially some of the courses coming out of the hub. In fact, this is the course that you guys are currently in, in, in block one, a media course with Mr. Novak. So we appreciate his leadership and his creativity and everything that he does with Bomber Media. But, of course. Uh, and ahead, yep. as always, you can follow us on Twitter, either at, at KHS Bomber Media or at TGabram underscore KHS. And if you ever have any questions or topics for the future, don't be afraid to tweet us and use the hashtag Principles Podcast. All right. One more shout out is to Mr. James Reinhardt from Ganley Chevrolet in Aurora. We thank him every podcast and for his initial support, which was actually four years ago now. Um, and basically, he contributed, Mr. Turk, all of this stellar equipment for, wow. for the podcast. So it's amazing. Um, he was one of our guests initially with some of the older equipment. And he's like, I got to take care of you guys. <laughs> and so what we're trying to do, and, and maybe we can work on this as another addition, is um, do a little like, um, you know, sometimes on radio shows, you'll hear like the a little jingle or a little music about family Chevrolet. So we can give like a plug, right. an official plug yeah. going out to um, Mr. Reinhardt and, and Ken Ganley Chevrolet. So, but we thank him and, and I'm sure we're going to get him in, um, you know, one of these weeks to, to share what's going on in his land of, of, um, of cars, selling cars. So thank you. Sounds great. All right. Uh, Segwaying right into our special somebody topic, we have Mr. Turk to talk about the Kenston Field Experience, which happened over the summer, which is basically a trip to the national parks out east. Um, so, well, it was out east this time. Yeah, that's, so. that's one of our questions. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so, Mr. Turk, how did you think the trip went overall this year? You know, I think pretty well. Mr. Gabriel, I think, and I met pretty early on to kind of overcome some hurdles and obstacles. And yeah, there was definitely some some hurdles. I think <laughs> our, our initial plan was um, 2020, wasn't it? 2020, and then obviously mm -hmm. world had different plans, and then we looked at 21, and that was a no-go, and then we even were touch-and-go on this year, or this past summer. So I think we were just really excited to get something going and get the, get the trip back in action. So... Um, I think the kids had a great time. We had a great time. Uh, everything was new for all the instructors because it was all, well, not all new national parks, but new itinerary. And then uh, I, I would say the one downfall is it really takes a, 
like a week, week and a half for the kids to kind of find their groove. And uh, the trip was over in two weeks. So it was right. just kind of like they were getting in the, in the grind and then it was over, so. And typically it's, it's closer to 21, 24 days. Right. So you're, you're looking at three and a half weeks yeah. um, where they're really settling in and, and kind of building the, the camaraderie between one another, which I, th I think you still had that even in a two week trip. Absolutely. You know, the relationships, which um, obviously makes the trip um, even more memorable, you know, connecting with others. Right. Um, talk a little bit about, and this is the next question, um, you know, the trip used to be out west, and I, and I know over the years you've done a farther out west trip than, you know, the traditional, which I think was Rocky Mountain area. Yeah. Um, but what were some of the hurdles for us, you know, not to even think about going west? Well, with COVID, there's a, a few things that happen. One, now there's this pretty robust uh, reservation system just to get into the parks. Um, so that would, that would have been a challenge, uh, but the biggest was what would we do if someone got sick on the trip? And, you know, if we're in Montana, which is like a three-day drive away, that really puts a wrench in things. So Audis seemed like the organic path forward just for this year of making it uh, kind of mission possible for yeah. us. So that was a big concern. And then, um, you know, just managing the volume of people visiting the parks out west. So on our original itinerary, we had Glacier, Rocky, Tetons, and Yellowstone, and those are four of the most visited national parks, getting three to four million people a year. So- Were, there, of, were there still restrictions on those parks, even in yeah, last summer of 22? Yeah, so in Rocky, you had to get a permit just to drive on certain sections of road. Yeah. and figure out that really early on. And then traveling with a 44-foot bus also poses yeah. those challenges. So um, actually on the trip, we we actually had to turn around and detour three hours because we ended up on uh, the Dragon's Tail. So it's, um, <laughs> I think, like 270 turns and like 11 miles. And wow. uh, yeah, that wasn't that wasn't going to work, Bill. So we uh, we turned around and, and it was a lot of pivoting and, and kind of figuring things out as we go on this trip. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, do you think you'll do more stuff out east in the future or do you plan to go back out west? Let's um, get easier. I think right now our plan is to go back out west. I think we appreciate the impact uh, it has on the students. Not that the east isn't beautiful, but driving across the country all night and you're driving through the, the Midwest and, and the Plain States and then you see your first real mountain range, uh, not to rag on the Appalachian Mountains, <laughs> but you know, when you see a 14,000 foot mountain for the first time, it's pretty, pretty profound and uh, getting kind of back to that 24 day-ish experience where I think that provides a true kind of coming to age um, arena for students. Um, now, from like my standpoint, it was nice for my family. You know, two yeah. weeks was great. But right. uh, from well, a, I mean, you guys make a huge commitment on yeah. your own personal time. You know, right? As a teacher, you get those three months off, but you know, you're, for three three weeks traditionally, every other summer, yeah, you're you're still teaching school basically because this this trip is an educational trip. Um, students are receiving credit, so our teachers and chaperones they're they're educating throughout. 
you know, and, and leading those students, which is yeah. an awesome experience. And then that's why it's that's why it's been around. And, and, and we continue this tradition because of the experience that students have and the reflection that they have on for life, really. I mean, yeah, I mean, it started in 79. Yeah. Yeah. Shout out to Bill Berger and Don Corma, you know, and then Kathy, who also runs it. Um, wanted to see the trip continue and now we have Dr. Colicchio in house which is awesome so really a collective crew. Can you talk about your first trip as a student? Yeah so I went in 2000 and I mean it changed the course of my life. I, I wanted to become a teacher and, and study geology and, and then I got the opportunity to go as a chaperone a second time and it just like solidified this is amazing and this is what I want to do. So, I mean, it, and I think that's the best thing about it. It really changes kids' lives. And I'm not just saying that because I'm fond of the trip, but I mean, <laughs> whether it's where they go to school or what they study or just future trips they take with their families, I think everyone takes something special from going on the trip. Yeah. I had, go ahead. Uh, I had some friends in this past trip that were really, really affected by it and loved it a lot. And I, I really wanted to go personally, but I just couldn't. Yeah. I really wish I did. C could you elaborate what, what they really enjoyed about the trip? Oh, yeah. I had uh, my friends Ali Stefanson and Sam uh, Snyder who oh, were cool. both on the trip. And they really, um, they came back and we went out for lunch like that day. And they were just like, guys, you'll never believe it. They're like, it was, <laughs> was life-changing out there. <laughs> like they just came back as like new people yeah. who now like know everything about everything, about like <laughs> the outdoors and all that. Yeah. Interesting. Um, and quite often um, after the trip, and I'm sure you do the same, Brian, but you, we'll get we'll get phone calls and we'll have dialogue or conversations with parents, right. with children who were with students who were on that trip. And um, I remember one of the fathers, we were chatting at, a, I don't know, a volleyball game or something, one of the events. And he's like, you know what, Tom, that trip, game changer for my son. Like just the the maturity level, like when when you guys returned. Right. And just sitting down and, and kind of having that conversation and, and having a, a greater perspective on kind of, you know, the world of, you know, what's out there. It just kind of makes you think a little bit differently, you know, once you're out there. And personally, I experienced that. I, didn't, I haven't been on the out west trip, but I did go um, out west with a few other principals and we hiked uh, Mount Adams, which is in the Sierra Nevadas. And um, it was about... 12,000 to the summit. Yeah. So we went, uh, I think we went at the trailhead, we were already at about 6,000. And so we went, we went right up. But once, like you don't, I really understand until you get out there, like, like Mr. Turk said, until you see that true first mountain range. And, and with the Sierra Nevadas, what's cool is when, when you're, when you're climbing Mount Adams, you can see the other mountains like from that, you know, mm -hmm. and it's just the beautiful sight, you know, with the elevation and, and just, it's amazing. Um, but it does, it makes you, makes you reflect a little bit differently on the world. And, um, you know, when you're that high in elevation, you're like, you think about, wow, you know, we're so small, just like just right. these tiny humans, you know, and you, you think about the world and, and just, it's, it's some different thoughts that you go through. Yeah. And I think, you know, you, we want to protect these wild places and, and I think you don't until you identify with it. And so getting students out and just, you know, it's one thing to see it in a picture, but then realizing like, well, this is important to, 
right. take care of, which is cool to see as well. Yeah. And of course, for everyone who went out there, most of the high schoolers, it's their first time really being in that type of environment. And how would you say that after doing these trips for so many years, you guys really control like the safety concerns or what does that process really look like for the high schoolers? In terms of safety, um, so we have all the students take a wilderness first aid course. And then myself and some others are also um, wilderness first responders. Uh, when my wife used to go, she was a nurse. So we, we have a, a pretty good knowledge base there. And the idea is that we can be fairly self-sufficient and the kids, if, if we're not around um, in that moment, they should hopefully be able to take care of some minor things. Um, I also carry, it's called a Garmin inReach, but it's a satellite communicator. So if we're out of cell phone service, I can um, get in contact with um, the proper authorities if something goes wrong for a rescue or um, some assistance, which is really helpful. That's kind of been a game changer. And then, uh, you know, just a lot of coaching and, you know, an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. So we really kind of try and stress uh, safety and, but, but also loosening the reins. I mean, we let the kids hike on their own, especially back from, um, our destination and just kind of give them that sense of freedom because that's a really big part of the trip is, you know, you're, we're trying to, um, foster that growth and becoming adults. Right. And that, and that safety course they took is so important because they can use that forever for like anything they do. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So, and, you know, I think it helps that we have the years behind us uh, and visiting, you know, been to the Tetons 12 times. Now that you can't prepare for everything, but you have a good idea of what the trails are going to look like. And, you know, a lot of it's in the moment, uh, risk assessment and deciding, you know, we, we've turned around, for example, going to Lake Solitude because there's too much snow, not the snow, but the snow bridges you know oh, if you yeah. if you fall through a snow bridge and plunge into a stream it's not going to bode very well so you know making those uh i would say error on the side of caution in yeah. those moments absolutely yeah right um so obviously this was not new terrain for you but new terrain for the trip yeah um what was your kind of favorite stop or most impactful part of this out east experience um, I think, you know, Acadia was just a great trip ender. Uh, we had beautiful weather. Of all the places we went, I feel like that was the most um, far out there from what kids have seen. You know, a, a truly different environment. You have, you know, barren granite rock and, and the ocean and, and you can see all that in one day and you're swimming and then you're rock scrambling and doing amazing hikes. So we really lucked out with the weather, too. You know, that, that's a game changer in Acadia. You can be totally socked in and not see across the room, mm-hmm. you know, because of the fog. But we had Bluebird Day and just just an amazing time there. So I think awesome. that was a good good way to finish up the trip. I know Acadia was the favorite stop of my friends who won. They yeah. really, that's what they were always talking about. <laughs> yeah. I think, I think the White Mountains could have been there if we could have hiked above Treeline and have kind of a true alpine experience, yeah. but the weather just didn't cooperate. A little bit uh, too warm at that time? Uh, just uh, rain, rain. Okay. and and uh, Mount Washington and the presidential rain is, range is known for the, the world's, 
you know, we're, I shouldn't say worlds, but yeah, countries, strongest, strongest winds, right. some of the worst weather. So don't want to gamble that with right. uh, 45 people. Yeah. So, right. yeah. Yeah. So what's happening in Bomberland? <laughs> well, this is our first episode since homecoming has passed. So I figured we could bring that up and just talk about how it went first really normally you're back all four grades together um the other events like football games or the parade also returned so i think it was just really fun to have that aspect of high school back in full swing this year which we haven't had for a while now yeah, since we were freshmen yeah, yeah. It's, it's been a while. yeah really we, it was a true you know the standard format traditional format for for homecoming um now, I don't know if you knew this, Mr. Turk, but last year, because we still had some restrictions going on, we ran two sessions of the homecoming dance. So we, <laughs> I so we ran that. A, yeah, we ran a uh, six to eight o'clock. The first two hours was just the ninth and tenth right. graders. So we could um, kind of separate by numbers. And then um, upperclassmen came in from, you know, the last two hours. And uh, I just remember witnessing the first two hours because, you know, the underclassmen don't really... They didn't really know what, what homecoming right. was all about without the upperclassmen right. kind of showing the way. Right. So what you typically see and what we had um, in our homecoming this year was a, a gym, kind of a, a mob of, of kids dancing around the DJ. And, and last year, they just were a little unsure on, you know, who's going to start dancing and, and um, kind of how to handle that. So, um, so it was nice to kind of have that atmosphere back, yeah. um, you know. I think uh, Ms. Vellante, who was our um, advisor for student council, did a wonderful job kind of leading right. um, her, her group and planning, you know, every single event and all of those details, which, I mean, we start in, um, we start in May, really, to start setting things up. And, mm -hmm. and uh, everything went so smoothly this year. Yeah. Um, we went to hometown ticketing. You know, for those tickets, it was that easy for you guys? Oh, as yeah. Far as I that? would say so. I mean, usually people buy tickets online for sports games or other events for kind of like the plays. So I think it just made more sense to sort of go online now. And it made it a lot easier so kids didn't have to like go up during lunch or if they forgot to during lunch. They were sort of out of luck. I think it, it helped out a lot. Especially in, I'm all about like efficiency. And so right. um, I always I didn't I didn't like the check in process um, because, you know, typically we have 600 kids coming through the door of the vestibule. Then we're checking them in. So we're doing a little breathalyzer. We're doing, you know, a little coat check, bag check. And sometimes it gets backed up and then it really gets backed up with when you guys had paper tickets because you're oh, provide yeah. and then they're going through the list of the roster. So, you know. I think literally it would take us 40 to 45 minutes to get everybody in. And typically we're opening the door at 645. So by 730, usually everybody's in. But typically students would be waiting probably 30 minutes in line. And so we got everybody through with hometown ticketing like in 25 minutes. Wow. Oh, so yeah, it was great. It was, it was just like very efficient the way we had things set up. That's mm -hmm. awesome. And, um, and I think that's something that, you know, she's going to we'll, we'll stay with hometown ticketing, like from now on with the digital system, so much faster. But everything else, the decorations were beautiful. Um, 
constant um, water refill in, right. the, in the coolers. And um, but it was fun. I thought I thought the, the kids and you know everyone enjoyed themselves and um, you know DJ music was good is what I what I've heard. Yeah. So. I thought it was a great time. Yeah. And, and not to be that guy, but my favorite touch was the cotton candy machine. Oh, That's really great. We walked in, we saw that, and we're like, yeah, I'm about to stand in line for 20 minutes for cotton candy. And that line never stopped. It never stopped. It was yeah, like always. For the entire like three hours, seven o'clock on. Yeah. And there's, there was like three pots of, of right. cotton candy and how they spin it. So it was pretty cool. Nice. Yeah. yeah. It was a really nice touch, I think. Yeah. It's great. It definitely met the theme of, you know. The greatest show, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. It had that sense Carnival of community circus. that you haven't had in a while. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What's interesting is not everybody dances, so they kind of hang out at the cafeteria tables. Yeah. Some people are playing Uno. Some people are playing Euchre. <laughs> My There's friends brought Clue. <laughs> they were playing board Clue. games, but wow. but I still think that's that's a great yeah. you know what a great activity to get get together. You still have that homecoming feel. You get dressed up. You still have that memory of you know maybe you're not dancing the entire time. But you're still together with with uh, friends and peers and and enjoying that moment, which I think was most important. Right. Mm-hmm. So. And yeah, whenever I think of, you know, first semester fall, I always think of homecoming. But of course, we need to recognize the fall sports that as we enter the second quarter are beginning to wrap up. And a lot of the teams are making their way to the WRC and postseason, which I think is a really great thing to recognize, especially as we move forward through the end of fall, sort of. I know the girls' cross-country team just won the WRC with Paige Masson being awarded Runner of the Year. Girls' Golf also won the WRC Mm -hmm. with Emmy Gilbert being player of the year and girls tennis yep. also in the WRC with coach Tori yeah. and his daughter Brooke McNeil being she's, she's outstanding coach and player insane. yeah <laughs> yeah I think it's a really great thing that a lot of these teams are doing a great job out there yeah I think um and some of those some of those um uh, sports have already wrapped up. But I know there, we're still starting postseason today with, with volleyball. We have our sectional tournament starting today. Um, I think girls soccer also plays a first round sectional. Boys soccer plays on Saturday. Um, football's wrapping up with uh, senior night versus Mayfield this Friday. Yeah, our last regular season game. Yeah, hopefully. And the way it, it works much differently now with um, with playoffs. And I don't know if you know, Mr. Turk, but we're it's now the top 16. Yeah. Um, so they extended that, that pool of, of playoff contenders. So it used to be only eight. I believe it used to be only four, probably when you and I were going to, to, right. to high school. So they, they continue to expand to give the opportunity for that postseason play, um, which I think is great for, for all students, for right. all sports. And mm-hmm. I believe we are, uh, what are we, six and three right now after nine yeah. games? And so mm-hmm. we're sitting about, 13th out of 16th in the the region so i know a win will will move us up a little bit which is what they're hoping for a loss we don't know how things will will shake out with some of the points i think we've got a great chance though yeah Mm -hmm. how's uh mayfield's team uh 
pretty decent. Pretty decent. I th- yeah, I think they're they're comparable to to our record. I think we both lost to um, Chardon. We both lost to Pinsel Riverside, um, who has a really good team this year. Um, yeah, so we'll see. I think it'll be a good game. It'll be a nice little um, kind of our last home game here at the stadium and, mm-hmm. and closing out our seniors recognizing their um, great contributions. Yeah, that's great. Um, so, so on the topic of fall, my favorite uh, holiday is coming up, which is Halloween. So for the are you down with that category, I wrote both the categories. They're very Halloween oriented. Sorry about that, guys. Um, so favorite Halloween candy. What have we got? I think <laughs> it's already hard to believe that Halloween's coming up. Right. But if I had to choose, I love just a classic Reese's peanut butter cup. I feel like you can never go wrong with that. It's always a safe choice, but I also love gummies, like gummy bears, gummy worms. I, I'm i not a picky person when it comes to Halloween candy. All right. What about you? I'll, I'll do anything, really. I'm more of a fruit person than a chocolate person, but like anything that's like fruit flavored, I'm down for all the time. How about the licorice? Licorice, I like red licorice, not yeah. black licorice. Yeah, I, I think pretty much that's pretty probably for everybody. Yeah. yeah, but like, no, I love the licorice. Um, I'm gonna go with the Twix though. Those Twix. mini Twix, you know, I could oh, probably eat about like 25 of those, <laughs> and just unbelievable. So yeah, I'm a Twix guy. I'm a I'm a Red Vines over uh, Twizzlers. Oh, person. there you go, the Twizzlers. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm I'm a Twix guy too. Yeah, that's the way yeah. to go. Yeah. The crunch, chocolate, so it hits all the spots. And they're making it in now like different flavors. There's a peanut butter Twix. I'm oh, really? I'm, oh, I'm yeah. traditional. Yeah, me too. Yeah, so never go wrong with it. <laughs> yeah. it just, Twix has that marketing thing that I feel like a lot of candy is doing, where they have the like, like they have the left and right Twix. Like mm-hmm. Mike and Ike did that thing for a while, where yeah. you can buy like yeah. just Mikes or just Ikes. <laughs> like those silly little marketing things that like really make it memorable. Yeah, I just think it's really fun that Halloween's already around the corner. I love Halloween. And dress up day on Monday the 31st. Right. So start off the week. Yeah. It'll be a little bit of energy in the building on a Monday. Right. You won't feel that, but it'll be, it'll be rocking. Personally, I don't really know anyone who is opposed to Halloween candy. So. Yeah, right. True. And some things that some people are opposed to on Halloween, though. Scary movies. How do we feel about them? Uh, I, you know, I don't dabble too much these days. I, they kind of, I have, well, with the young kids. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I have trouble sleeping as is. So, <laughs> but, um, I always appreciated, uh, in, in kind of our generation, Mr. Gabriel and I, uh, scream, I thought yeah. was just an yeah. outstanding, mm-hmm. like, absolutely kind of to, you know, new to its time, just nothing like it when it first came out. Yeah. That was like, that was a good one. Yeah. Um, I love scary movies personally. <laughs> I'm already kind of a film buff, but I get really into it with horror. And I feel like this year especially has had a really good year for horror movies coming out. Nice. We have had both X and Pearl, which are one yeah. two part movie series that I recommend everybody watch this Halloween. And then my personal favorite horror movie of the year, The Barbarian. Everybody should watch it. It's excellent. Okay. Yeah. Netflix? <laughs> Um, it's in theaters right theater? now. Okay. okay. Mm-hmm. All right. I I like to say I'm a fan of scary movies until I actually watch them. And I'm like, oh, I don't know. But I always love a good classic um, 
The Shining or mm, Friday the Thirteenth, Halloween. Yeah. I think that those are all some pretty classic ones. You can't go wrong with Halloween, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, that's, but that's the Michael classic Myers. Halloween. But after like you know, I don't know how many they have now, right? A, like lot. Like, yeah, a lot. I'm like one. Yeah, I'm like Halloween one, two, and three, and I'm good. Mm-hmm. No, I don't need to go further in any other sequels. But um, no, that's that's a classic. Um, uh, I remember probably when I was even younger than high school, the Freddy Krueger movies, you know, Friday the 13th. So, yeah. And that was, uh, you know, that was pretty good. Those were good too. catch you off guard every once in a while. For yeah. sure. Hard to so. believe those Halloween screen movies are still coming out today, yeah. Yeah. but the originals, you can never beat them. That's, right. that's how I feel about Chucky. Like, I, that's the one that I haven't really seen or gotten into, and I feel like there's a million Chucky movies. Chucky's creepy, for sure. There's yeah. no doubt about right. it. All those dolls, Annabelle, Chucky. Yeah. And there's, like, there's a new one. There's Megan now. Mm-hmm. There's, which I'm going to go see that one in theaters for sure. But Yeah. Cool. Yeah. All right. Um, the inspirational quote. Yeah. Uh, do you want to read this one? Sure. Um, so... Over every mountain is a path, though it may not be seen from the valley. And that is by, from Theo Roth. And we figured that it was a pretty appropriate one for having you, Mr. Turk, as our special someone. Um, I think it just is really resonates with everyday life, especially the beginning of the week. We sort of are always a little more doom and gloom than the end of the week, but keeping our priorities and staying on top of things, it's always, always helps by the time the end of the week rolls around, we see that pathway. Mm-hmm. And especially with the beginning of the second quarter, just starting earlier this week, seeing, I mean, people already think about winter break and stuff and seeing that end so far in the distance it's really important to just stay on track of everything. And before you know it, it's already October and it'll all be coming by super fast. It was fast, guys. Close. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And faster each quarter. It does. Right. Yep, yep. That's life, man. That's yeah. life. Totally. Well, how do you, how do you reflect on that? Man, well, I'm just, everything I'm relating to college now, because mm-hmm. that's everything that's on my mind. And I'm just thinking about the college application process. It's, it's testy, it's hard for sure, but there is a mountain over the path, even if it can't be seen from the valley, for sure. Um, I will end up going to a school, which is exciting. <laughs> <laughs> I will definitely be at one of them. So. Yeah, dedication is key. Yeah. Right. Mr. Uh, just, just living in that moment and uh, take off, you know, small chunks at a time and then mm-hmm. big, big things happen. So, and, and I think you can apply that to any aspect of life. Yeah. I see it more um, uh, kind of like when you're setting your goals. So right. I also, I, I say all the time, begin with the end in, the mi- in mind. So what does that end look like? So you might not be able to see it from that valley, you know, but mm-hmm. you got to keep climbing. You got to keep, you know, struggling and, and persevering and kind of going through in order to reach that goal. So right. very similar to a mountain, you know, trying to summit that mountain there's going to be some some bumps, some difficulties. Um, might be off course a little bit, but if you keep believing, you're going to eventually reach that goal. 
So I think it ties in very well to kind of our theme today. So great choice on that quote. Great. Nice. Okay. Mr. Turk, would you like to say anything as we close out for today's episode? Um, well, thanks for having me. I really, <laughs> really appreciate it. And I, I'm honored that you brought me on and I'd love talking about the, the Kenson Field experience. So I appreciate that. And, you know, just, um, I would say if, if we all just kind of try and make someone smile every day, uh, world's going to be a good place. So nice. I know it's kind of cheesy, but you just never know in this day and age who yeah. needs a little pick me up and, uh, just saying a hello to someone can go a long way. Absolutely. So, yeah. And of course, thank you so much for joining us on today's episode. I'm Mikey Sertel, and as always, bombs away and have a great day. And this is Lily Tatera reminding you to stay cool, Kenston High School. And this is Mr. Gene. I'm signing off. Remember to get after something in your life. Enjoy your passions. Read a book. Reach out to an old friend. Accept the grind. Believe in yourself. That is all for Season 4, Episode 1 of the Principles Podcast. Have a great rest of the day.